I would encourage you to uh, find a Bible, which makes me think of back in 1969 when I first got introduced to studying God's Word. And what a joy it was to, to find a Bible that was my very own and have an opportunity to begin to study it. So if you're new to this, no problem at all in finding the passages. There is a table of contents in the front of the Bible, like any good book. And uh, do not uh, feel the slightest whatever. Just pause, turn to the front, find the page number, and, and you'll find it. And those of you that have been uh, in Christian circles for a, a while, it's time for you to memorize the books of the Bible. So there's your homework assignment for this week. 66 books, kind of easy to get, and uh, we'll be off and running. So, uh, hold on one second here. My friendly neighborhood re uh, recorder is not recording, so that's all right. We have a bad guy. Let's uh, open with uh, turning to Psalm, the book of Psalms, 119. Psalm 119. Now, if you know anything about the Bible at all, you know that it treats all kinds of subjects and themes. It gives us all kinds of input to a, a whole, ra whole raft, raft of, of topics. And we're going to take Psalm 119 and kind of pick our way through it. If you look, you'll notice it's the longest psalm in in, uh, in the book of Psalms. Psalm, by the way, just means songs, singing. It's a bunch of hymns is what it is. Uh, and Psalm 119 is the longest book in the Bible. And, 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 and it has a whole list of very appropriate for us today kind of thing uh, that will help us to, to get a, a handle on real life issues, real life things that are facing us right now. And the topic that, that I grabbed for our first uh, discussion is the topic of how to be happy. Now, who doesn't want to be happy? But the definition of happy is interesting. So as I was driving to work this morning, I noticed a homeless guy on the side of the road. And I said to myself, I wonder what would make him happy today? And as I thought about it, I said, you know, he probably would be happy if, if he had a warm and comfortable place to sleep tonight. That would probably make him happy. You know, and, and further along, today I didn't see one, but I often see, because I live in San Clemente, kids on skateboards headed to the beach with a, with a surfboard under their arm. So what makes them happy? A good wave, or a set of good waves, maybe. What makes, um, you know, the traveler happy? The fact that the countries will let us come again. I mean, grab your passport and you can go. Or, uh, you know, someone that... Uh, just put their kids in school for the first time, and it's a new experience for them. And their kid came home and was very happy. You say, all right, now I'm happy. But happy is an interesting topic. I, I Googled on, on, uh, on the web and said, what does it take to be happy? And, and you would be not probably surprised at some of the answers. Here, here they are. You ready? I want you to write these down because this is insightful. I'm being sarcastic here. Smile more. Okay, so behind your little mask, smile, everybody. I tell the kids, smile at me with your eyes so I can tell that you're smiling. You know, yeah, okay, I can see some corollary between, you know, having a pleasant demeanor and, and happiness, but ultimately, is that going to satisfy your soul? Here's some more of them. Okay, so exercise. Great. Endorphins get released. I get it. I understand. But how long does it take for those endorphins to go away? And process has to be repeated. What about this one? Sleep more. I'm in favor of that. I have the spiritual gift of sleep. I do. 
I love to sleep. I'm an eight and a half hour a night girl. I'm happier when I have slept at least that. A good nap needs to be two, two and a half hours long. None of this 10 minute stuff on the couch. But, but ultimately, you know, uh, the next day, that has to be repeated. What about this one? Um, be more grateful. Give more compliments. Yeah, all right, I get it. This one I like. Breathe deeply. Okay, so everybody breathe deeply. You ready? Boy, am I happy. How about you? Is everybody happy? I mean, I get it. I understand where it's going. But how about this one? Make, make a lot of positive memories. Yes, I'm in favor of that. I went on a trip this, uh, this summer with some dear friends. We, we uh, went on an RV trip to, to Yellowstone. And, and both of us were both with parties. We're taking lots of pictures. But, but when my friends came back, about three weeks later, they showed up at the house with, a, with one of those books that you can get. Yeah, they, they put all the pictures in and they wrote things about. And they gave us this, this monument to our trip. It was fabulous. And it brings a great big grin to my face every time I, I thumb through it. But, but it's temporary. It's fleeting. I, I want another trip. Where are we going now? We, the, 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 the process of being happy is often fragile. Sometimes it's even fraudulent. It's a fake. And it always is fleeting if it's those kinds of things. What, what creates happiness? You know, um, I'm a, a lover of words. And uh, I love it when I, I see a good derivation of a word. And so here's one for you. Hap, happy, the first, the prefix hap. It goes on such words like haphazard or happenstance. It literally means something is random. Well, if it's random, how is it going to sustain me? If happiness is going to be random, I'm going to keep wanting to come back for more. I need to figure out where is real happiness, I'm going to call it joy, found. The kind that will sustain me. Now, I don't know about you, but right now we are living in a very strange world. I am reacting very negatively. I am I'm swaying between being angry and very sad. I'm not prone to, to depression. That's not been a thing for me, uh, for which I'm very grateful. But I've been discouraged to the max. There is chaos around us. We are such a polarized people right now. And the, and the more angry or upset or afraid or, 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 or sad we get, the louder we get. And we're screaming at each other on all kinds of topics. It is a, it is a world of chaos. If I were to go outside with a microphone and say, what, what, what's the number one thing that you would like to have in your life? People are going to tell me satisfying joy, a rootedness, a sense of, 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 of uh, comfort that lasts. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the true source of joy. That which is not fleeting or fraudulent or even fragile. That which will sustain me and you through all the circumstances of life. Whether it's the stuff we're going through now or, or the series of personal tragedies that are part of our life. Yesterday I was on the phone with my goddaughter Brianna. And a friend of hers passed away last week unexpectedly. 52-year-old gentleman. Uh, heart attack out of nowhere. And she's pretty close to the, to the couple. And so yesterday was the funeral and she called me crying. And we talked through the sadness that she was feeling. 
And I said, you know what, sweetie, this is, this is probably the first time as an adult. She's turning 31 in a couple of weeks. This is your first adult loss. Your first adult death. It's not going to be your last. We have things in our lives that, that put us off our game. So we need to find something that will be rooted, that's stable, that's significant, that doesn't go away, that we can rely on. And my suggestion to you is, it's found in the book of Psalms. So Psalm 119, let's go there. First, a little bit of background on this particular psalm. It's kind of an unusual one. Um, the psalms here are what they call acrostic, or the words here, the verses. Acrostic just means they all start with the same letter. So what's interesting about Psalm 119 is there are 22 paragraphs, or 22 uh, stanzas, or strophes. 22 sections in Psalm 119. Each one of those sections is highlighted by a Hebrew letter. So the first eight verses are highlighted by the Hebrew uh, letter of Aleph, or R-A. Not only that, but each one of the verses in, those, uh, in that paragraph, in those eight verses, all start, the sentence starts with a word that begins with an A. So it's an acrostic. So a, a modern-day version of Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8, might read like this. All they that are defiled in the way, walking in the law of the Lord, are blessed. All they that keep his testimonies and seek him with all their heart will be blessed. Also, they do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. All the precepts diligently to keep, you have commanded us. Ah, Lord, that my ways are directed to keep your statutes. Ashamed I will never be when I have respect unto all your commandments. Always I will praise you with upright heart, and all your statutes will I keep. Oh, forsake me not utterly. That would be a modern-day version of how this was written in the language of the Bible, which, by the way, in the Old Testament was Hebrew. So the focus of all of Psalm 119 is God's Word, over and over again. So sit down this afternoon, take about 30 minutes, it won't take you much longer than that, unless you're an unbelievably slow reader, and, and read all of Psalm 118. And what you're going to find is, is chock full of a discussion of God's word. Now, what's interesting is the terminology that's used there. Um, and it uses synonyms, words that mean the same thing. So in a, in a, in a moment, I'm going to show some to you in Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. But I, I want you to know that, that it repeats things for, for emphasis. Um, there's a, there's a technique called parallelism. Parallelism? Maybe I pronounced that right. Um, it means that on the one sentence I say something, and I'm going to make a parallel thought right underneath it. So in verse number one, for example, it says, Blessed are those who keep his commandments and seek him with all their heart. So the, the, parallel, the parallelism of that thing is that if you're blameless, you're walking in God's word. So the word blameless means the same thing as walking in God's word. And walking in God's word is going to mean that roughly the same thing as the word blameless. He does that all throughout Psalm 119. And, and don't be thrown off when you say to yourself, did he just say that? Because yes, he just said that. He just said it a slightly different way. His word, what does his word do for us? Now, I, when, before I became a Christian, I heard people talk about the Bible. And I thought, ancient book. Maybe worthy of some discussion. Why are you getting all whacked out about it? I don't know. Can't find anything in there. 
Everybody says there's tons of contradictions, people I don't understand, names I don't get, places I've never been. What's the big deal about God's Word? And then I got a Bible, and I began to read it, and I began to study it. And here I am 51 years later in love with my Bible. If you put me on a desert island and I can only take one thing, I'm not taking clothes, I don't care. I don't really even care about food because, you know, then I get to go to glory. I want my Bible. And if you say, you can't take your whole Bible, then I'll take, okay, I'll take the New Testament. And if you say, nah, that's too much, you know, I'll take one book. I'm taking the book of Ephesians. And if you tell me, oh, that's a little too much, you get one page. I want Ephesians 1. That's it. I'll take that. I've read in the past about people that have been thrown into prison around the world for their stand with Christ. And maybe they can't have their Bible anymore. And what happens is among the prisoners, they, they slip around little pieces of paper, written, maybe a phrase, or if they're lucky, a whole verse. Maybe there is a, a person you know that lived in a place where God's word was not allowed. And they would take sections of one Bible and pass them out throughout the community. Because they revered God's word. They understood it was the words of life. It helps me to not sin. Knowing God's word gives me counsel. Knowing God's word strengthens me. Knowing God's word and being able to find certain verses and places to read and think and study about gives me hope. So let's dive into our first passage. We're looking at the first eight verses of Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless who walk according to the law of the Lord. I've already told you that there are some words that, that are used uh, in, a, in a synonym kind of way. And in our first uh, uh, eight verses, six of the eight that are used throughout the whole song are there. Well, you're going to see things like God's word or the law or the Torah. The Torah referring to the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But it also just means the whole book. God's law. Another word that's used there is as testimonies or statutes. You're going to find that word in some translations. Or precepts. Not a word that's used around in our area very much, but it's a synonym. Decrees. Or, or, or again, statutes. Laws meaning rules. And then, and then in a couple of other places, the word and, and, the, and the commands of God. So blessed are those whose ways are blameless. Now, with a show of hands, how many of you are blameless? Uh-huh. No hands. Okay, so the, the problem here is, what does it mean? If blessed means happy or fortunate, or maybe um, a better way to think of it is, you're put into a good place. So if I'm happy, according to God's word, I've been put into a good place. So, so I'm, I'm blessed, I'm happy, I'm, I've been put into a good place when I am blameless. Well, on that basis, I ain't ever going to be it. What does the Bible say about being a sinner? Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Same chapter, chapter 3, verse 10, talks about there is no one that does only good. The best person you know, and some of the ones I know are in this room today, every now and then you blow it. Every now and then there's an attitude. 
Every now and then there's something that's going on that's contrary to God's word. There's none of us that are blameless. So what does it possibly mean? If the rest of the Bible says nobody is perfect, what are we going to do with this? Blessed is the guy or happy is the guy whose ways are blameless. Well, we, we have to look at other places where that term shows up. And the idea here is you're blameless when you walk according to the word. When God's word is the driving force of your life, when it's the rule book, when it's the, the referencing. Anybody like golf? Any golfers here? A couple of golfers, good. Did you watch golf this weekend? Yeah, okay. None of the rest of you watch golf. All right, if you don't like sports, you can't come back to Bible study. I'm sorry. Half of my illustrations come out of the sporting world. But anyway, I was watching golf this weekend. Great, great match. And if you watch golf at all, when you see the guy and he's ready to hit his ball, he reaches around into his back pocket and he pulls out this little book. Have you ever seen that? And then he flops it open and he makes a few calculations and he talks to his caddy and whatever. What's there are, are, are markers to tell him how far it is from that tree to that tree, from this spot to that spot. He's judging how, how he's going to hit the ball. But that thing also has the rules in it. Can I, in this place, pick the ball up and move it over here? Can I get relief, as they say? Can I do this? Can I do that? The rule book. He pulls it out of his back pocket. He doesn't make a move without checking it. You and I have a rule book. It's not just rules, do this, don't do that, you rotten person, because you did do that. No, it is a guide. Stay out of those trees. Watch out over there. It's very sticky there. You're going to find yourself in a mess if you get there. Blameless is not perfect, but a person who is using God's word as, as a direction finder. I would never go on a trip without checking a map. Yes, I've got GPS, and I know that lady will, will holler at me. I call her Heidi in my car. And Heidi hollers at me, you know, reconfigure, reconfigure, reconfigure. But, but, I, but I'm a map person. I'm going to check the map first. I, I want to have it in my mind. We were in, in Rome one time, and uh, we were sitting in a cab, and uh, my friend Barbara and I were in the cab, and the guy turned left, and I said, why are you going left? We want to go about two blocks that way. And Barb snapped her head around and said, how would you know that? I said, because I checked them out this morning before we got in the cab. And that guy goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just getting a little bit more fair out of me. But I, but I already checked it. I knew it. You and I live lives oftentimes without checking the book. Is, is this a good thing? Is that a good thing? Should we this? Should we that? Should I start this? Should I stop that? What should my mind be focused on? What kind of a parent do I really want to be? How do I love my husband like I should? What do I do when my government says something that I don't agree with? A thousand things are given direction when we're in God's word. We're, we're happy. We're fortunate. We're put in a good place when we're walking according to the book. Look at verse number two. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. Blessed are they that, that, that keep his statutes. That theme is going to show up over and over again. Obedience. Obedience. I'll bet you plenty of money that all of you parents in this room expect your children to be obedient. In fact, I'm sure most of you have used this phrase. Obedience is doing what I asked the first time. Right? The lady 
obedience is not obedience. Well, well, listen a minute. I think you're going to hear it from the Holy Spirit. He says the same thing to us. It is all about obedience. You want to be happy? You want to be in a good place? You want to be settled? You want to be rooted? We walk according to His Scriptures. And we do so with all of our heart. Now, to the Hebrew mind, the heart is not this pump. Okay? They, they didn't really know what was going on inside their body. They, at one point, they referred to their liver as a good thing. I don't know much about livers, but I wouldn't have chose my liver. You know? but, but they use the term heart. What they're talking about is their, is their mind and their will and their emotions all wrapped up in one. That which makes us us. That which gives us the ability to think and make choices and preferences and do certain things for a certain reason. That's, that's following your heart. He says, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your, with all your emotions and your wills involved. It's the idea of being the opposite of lip service. Now, I give lip service to speed limits. I believe they're good suggestions. Right? And mostly they're for you. Anyone else in that category? Right? I give lip service to, to, to speed limits. But the truth of the matter is they're there for my safety and yours. And if I were to obey more regularly and appropriately those speed limits, I would contribute to a society that had less, less, less death and destruction on the road. I give lip service to that kind of guidelines. We give lip service all the time to the things of God. He gives us guidelines for our life and we go, yeah, but I got a better idea. We've always got a better idea. And the problem is that puts us in a place where we're not happy. We become disgruntled. I am not the best judge of everything for my life. I think I am. In many ways, I think I'm the CEO of the universe. You think I'd be good at that? Come on, say yes. Thank you. I do, I do perceive that. There's a situation in life, I, I, I think I have an idea about how to fix it. Really? I can't even handle me, much less the universe. I need to be in a place where I'm keeping the statutes and I'm, and I'm seeking them with all my heart. I'm committed to it, no lip service. Let's read the next verse, verse 3. They do nothing wrong, they walk in his ways. Now again, they do nothing wrong. It's not possible. The Bible says in many other places, we all do things wrong. What is it saying? It's saying they're walking in their own ways. They're making their own choices. They're, they're saying, yeah, I know God says that we ought not to cheat people, but it just works out better sometimes. <laughs> well, it might temporarily work out a little better, but ultimately it does not give us joy. When we're in a committed relationship with our husbands, and, and we find someone that's just a little more scintillating. And we, we give ourselves all those excuses for, for even just a, a fantasy in our brain. What we've done is we've said, I know better. But what happens down the road is the dissatisfaction and the unhappiness that comes with trying to rule our world our way. Verse number four. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Well, you mean the ones I don't like? 
Yeah, the ones I don't like. The ones that pinch me a little bit? Yeah. The ones that seem a little old-fashioned or out of date? Yeah. When I choose to listen to God's Word and align my life with what He has in mind, there is joy. When I go off on my own tangent, eventually I will find myself dissatisfied. I've often said, especially when I'm teaching teenagers, nobody ever said sin wasn't fun. Sin is fun. Now come on, nod your head. Sin is fun. For a little while. For a little while. Pick a period or a, a situation in your life when you were rebellious. When you chose to do your own thing. Could have been just a minor matter or maybe more, something more serious. But I'm going to ask you, how did that turn out? How did, how did that work out for you? Not so good. Because ultimately, if I'm not obeying, fully obeying, I'm going to find myself alone. And, and out of resources. Look at the next part. And then I would not be put to shame. Oh, yeah, excuse me. And then I would not be put to shame, verse 6, when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. What's an upright heart? The Bible says an upright heart is a heart that is straight. Straight. In fact, that's the, the root of that term. It means straightness of mind. Your mind is going boom, right straight down that path. Since the Hebrew mind saw the heart and the mind as kind of mixed and not an issue of your emotions, what he's saying here is when we choose to let God's word guide us, then we're walking a straight path. It's the shortest distance between two points. Right straight line, right there. An upright heart. We live in a world of securitist thinking. People don't say what they mean anymore. They, they want to do something that's, that's politically correct or that you're going to receive better. The straightness of our word is, is being lost as a culture. We don't say what we mean and we don't stand for what we think. And we don't follow through. If you have some people in your life... That, that actually follow through when they tell you something, they are to be prized. The Bible is saying to us that when we have this kind of mindset, when we have an upright heart, we're in a position to praise Him. And we're learning His righteous laws. Verse 8 then says, I will obey your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. Your statutes, your righteous laws. Well, which laws are we supposed to keep? So most people, when I ask that question, will say, well, that's in commandments. So if you're new to the Bible, let me tell you where they are so you can go refresh yourself. Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. That's where they're listed. And, they, and it's a good list, and it, and it covers a wide range of human behavior. But is that it for the Bible in terms of commands? No. A good Jewish person, if you walked up to them, they're going to tell you there are 613 laws. Because they've gone through the rest of the, the, the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible, and they've, and they've grabbed all of the various ceremonial laws, all the laws having to do with the sacrifices, what to wear, when to wear, what days to worship the Lord, what not to eat, what to eat, etc. And they've got 613 of them. So is that all of them? No. Because we get to the New Testament and they ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, 
We got the Ten Commandments. We got 613 laws in the Pentateuch. What, what, which ones do we need to keep? What's the most important? What's the biggest? Put a star. Where, where's the one? What did Jesus say? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he adds, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, let's just start with those two. Love the Lord with everything you got. Well, I'm falling a little short. I try, but I'm falling a little short. And I'm going to bet that if you were being honest, you probably do too. It, it requires a diligence, a, a focus, an attention. It's like, it's like having a compass that points true north. And you're on a hike. And the trail goes this way. And you go, no, 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 no. True north. Go through the trees right here. That takes diligence. I mean, that path looks a little easier. No, true north. When we're following his righteous laws, we're not just thinking about the 613, wear this, don't wear that, eat this, don't eat that, go there, don't go there, or the Ten Commandments themselves. We're saying, what is it that we could or should be doing to express in a real vibrant way that we love him with everything we got? And then... I might be able to pull that off. With a little effort, on certain days, I can make that happen. But when we get to the second one, and love your neighbor in the same way that you love yourself, I'm pretty selfish. I'm pretty self-oriented. Your needs are more important than mine. And I'm wearing this primarily because I care about you. I, I listen to some guidelines in my society because I care about the other person that's there. I have some rules at my, at my home that say I can't do certain things outside. And I don't do them because I care about the lady on the street. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. When that happens, when I obey those decrees... When, when I've done so with an upright heart, when I am focused on that, then God moves me to a place of joy. When I obey, when I am focused, when I am, when I am in that mindset, when self has been removed out of the equation, at least for the moment, I have an opportunity to be dwelling in the spot that I'm supposed to be dwelling in. And that is the spot of being rooted in God's Word. So to be joyously rooted in Christ and in his word, what do we need to do? I always like to leave my Bible lessons by answering the question, so what? So that's what uh, Psalm 119 verses 1 through 8 say, so what? And I came up with my own little uh, uh, memory device. And I said, well, I need to rave. I need to rave on God. Rave, the the word means to talk wildly with great enthusiasm. And I want to rave about God so that I can be put in a place of joy. The R, the A, the V, and the E mean something. So let me give you my four so what's. The first one is this. 
I need to recognize that there is a choice every single day. And the choice is, do I want to be blessed or not? Blessed is the man who. Blessed is the woman who. But it's our choice. Do we want to be that woman? In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses, towards the end of his his life, he's reviewing a bunch of principles with the with the children of Israel, and he's and he's got them in a in a place of of quiet listening, and essentially he says, "Now, all right, guys, it's time for you to choose: choose life or choose death, choose this or choose that, choose God or choose the world, choose the Lord or choose yourself, choose to wander through the, our society the way everyone else is wandering through, or you could pick up that book that's in your lap." And and align your your life to it. Make a choice. You and I can become happy. We can have joy. We can be placed in a good place. When we are committed by a choice. Do you, Sherry, take him, Fred, to be your lawfully lawfully wedded husband? It's a choice. You could have said, let's pick on Erica and John. When, when, When that wedding moment came... And he said, Erica, do you take John? You could have gone, hmm, I don't know. You made a choice. And in fact, it was a big choice, a serious choice, more, more of a vow before God and the people that were there to say, yes, it's him and me, good and bad, rest of our lives. It was a choice. When you picked the house that you live in, it was a choice. When you picked a, a school for your children to go to, it was a choice. So is serving the Lord. It's a choice. You get up in the morning and you say, either today I run it my way or today I run it his way. And if I'm going to run it his way, I'm going to get into his book. I'm going to open the book in the morning and I'm going to say, all right, Lord, here's my situation. Here's my day. Here's my appointments. Here's my issues. Here's my kids. Here's my husband. Give me some direction. Who doesn't want to be happy? We start with making a choice. You came to Bible study today. That was a good choice. It was a good choice. You got a Bible in your lap. That's a good choice. You need to read it. It's a good choice. Memorize it. That's a good choice. Speak it to your children. That's a great choice. Share it with your spouse. That's, a, that's an even better choice. Share it with a friend. Invite someone to come next week and be a part of us. That's a choice. Yeah, you can get temporary happiness by smiling more and complimenting people and sleeping a little more and doing a little more exercise and all those things we talked about at the beginning. But the lasting stuff starts with a choice. Secondly, we need to acknowledge something. And I think this is a huge deal, so I want to camp here for a minute. We need to acknowledge that there is a difference between getting things and receiving things. Getting things and receiving things. We're talking about how to have joy, how to be rooted in a lasting kind of happiness. It starts with a choice, and then the next thing is to recognize there's a difference between what you get and what you receive. The stuff we get, we earn. We put out some effort. You want want nice rose bushes at your house? It takes some effort. I don't know how to do that. I hired this nice man, and he comes out, and he does it, and the roses look lovely. But it takes some effort. 
That's getting something. You go to work, they pay you a, a paycheck, they give you something in return, and you can spend it on what you want to. The, you're, you're getting something because you, you've obtained it. There was a bit of a, a, a struggle, maybe there was some effort that went into it, and you got it. But when you receive something, there was no struggle, there was no real effort on your part. You simply took it. Now, I think in our world, we're all about getting. Getting. Getting the house, getting the car, getting the, the wardrobe, getting the body, getting the location, getting the vacation, getting the trip, getting the getting, 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 getting. That doesn't bring us joy. It just makes us sweat. What brings us joy is to receive. So what is it that we should receive? Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians real quick. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Now I know I'm going just a little bit over, but we were a little late getting started, so cut me a little slack today, will you? Ephesians chapter 2. And a classic illustration of this, this concept of receiving things. Look down at verse numbers 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is, what is it? A gift of God. Not of works, so that no one can boast. My position in Christ, that which brings me the greatest amount of joy, was given to me. Christ paid the price. He died on the cross. His blood was spilt. It was the propitiation, the Bible says, or the covering, the payment for my sin. That was a gift. I didn't earn it. Some of you are, are raised in, in, in religious homes where you earned your position with God. I was raised in that kind of environment. And as long as I was doing the good doobie stuff, I felt pretty good about myself. But the moment I stopped doing the good doobie stuff, ooh, now what? I am now receiving the grace of God. I didn't earn it. That day that brings me joy is a, is a day that God gave me by His grace. No, your spouse is not perfect, but he's the one God gave you. It was a gift. Those kids, most days you think they're a gift. Occasionally you don't. But they were a gift. That house you live in was a gift. When we look at life from the viewpoint of a gift, it changes our perspective. It doesn't have to be clinched. So if that house goes away, he's going to give me another one. That car dies, I can drive another one. Doesn't have to be a brand new one. It just has to have, you know, four tires and a steering wheel that works. Rave, R, recognize that there's a choice behind being blessed. A, acknowledge the difference between giving things and receiving things. Develop a heart of gratitude. V, V is value his word. When I was a kid growing up, we had a Bible at my house, but it was in a box. And it was on the bookshelf with the Encyclopedia Britannica. And nobody ever touched it. Went to church every week. Went to catechism classes. Talked a lot about religion. Went to Catholic church most of my childhood. I knew a lot about God. But that little book that was in that box never came out. Until the summer before I got saved. And someone had the audacity to say, happiness is found here. In a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I started reading for myself. 
And 51 years later, I'm still reading for myself. I value this word. I value this book. When uh, David Livingston started his way across Africa, um, historians will tell us that he took a ton of stuff with him. In fact, at, at one point, I think he had 67 books with him. And as they were trucking across, trying to get to where he was going, the weight was too much, and so he started chucking his, his books. And in the end, there was only one book left that he kept for the rest of his life. You guessed it. His Bible. Value God's Word. Make it an important part of your day. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest homework, and somebody asked me, do we have homework in our Bible study? And the answer is no, we don't. But I put down there a little section I'm calling for the overachievers among us. And in, in that little section of overachievers, I, I spelled out the rookies versus the seasoned saints. So if you're a rookie, you've not been in God's word yet. It's a kind of a brand new thing to you. Your challenge to, to, to value his word is to spend 10 minutes a day, every day this next week. 10 minutes. That's all I'm asking for. 10 minutes. It's the length of a bunch of commercials between sections of some drama there you're watching on TV. Ten minutes. And more seasoned saints. Here's what I'm challenging you. is to, to, to get into God's Word in a new and a different way for a bit. Maybe, maybe um, put it on, on, uh, on audio. Put it on in your car and listen to it as you're traveling. That might be something new for you. Or maybe sit somewhere where you can be alone and read it out loud. Uh, I, 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 I find that as, a, as an interesting way to bring out things in God's Word. Or, or download on your, on your tablet uh, one of the, one of the uh, uh, websites that will give you various translations. And, and then just read this, the same passage in, in 15 translations. Or 10, or 5, or whatever. If you're a seasoned saint, the way you're going to value God's Word is going to be a little different than if you're brand new to it. But value His Word. If you want to be in a, put in a place of joy, God's word has got to be central. And lastly, on my rave, I need an E. And the E is embrace the truth that God wants, loves, can't wait to bring joy to the life of the person who walks upright. And again, that's another picture of a straight mind. Walking upright is a, is a visualization of someone who takes this word and lets it be the deciding uh, focus of their life. Psalm uh, 84, verse 11 says this, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless, according to his work. You need some joy in your life? Chaos got you down? Nonsense on television getting to you? The screaming voices bothering your heart? Shut it all down. Pick that book up that's in your lap and get rooted in his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for letting us come together today. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to be together, to meet with friends, to say hello to some folks we haven't seen in weeks and months. Father, may this book and the message out of this book resonate in each one of our hearts, whether we're new to it or it's been a part of our life for, for decades. May your word be the, the meal we feast on, and out of that, learn joy.
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.